0: showtime sports presents showtime boxing with eric raskin and kieran mulvaney
1: hello and welcome to showtime boxing with raskin and mulvaney with my co-host eric raskin i am kira mulvaney and we are coming at you for the third time this week with another special edition of the podcast once again celebrating showbox the new generation the show turns
2: 20 years old and marks the occasion with a three-fight card this friday july 23rd On our regular Monday morning podcast, we welcome Showbox executive producer Gordon Hall to reflect on 20 years of matching prospects tough and to give his insights on this Friday's triple header. Then on Tuesday, we dropped a pod that I know Kieran and I consider one of our favorites we've ever done as we talked with the faces and voices of Showbox, Barry Tompkins, Steve Farhood and Raul Marquez about what the series means to them. And today, we welcome one more person with a long history with Showbox. In fact, he's been
1: involved in Showbox almost from the very beginning. He began his career in the business as matchmaker with 10 Goose Boxing, the Goosen family's first foray into boxing promotion, before becoming vice president of Goosen Promotions, where he was closely involved with guiding the careers of fighters such as David Reed, Andre Ward, the comebacking James Tony, Paul Williams, Chris Ariola, and many others. Since 2014, he's been president of TGB Promotions,
2: Tom Brown, welcome to the Showtime Boxing Podcast.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: Uh, so let, let's start with a, a big picture question about Showbox, Tom. Um, as a matchmaker or promoter, how big of a game changer is it to have a series like Showbox out there as a way to get prospects TV opportunities on a regular basis?
0: I, I mean, it's huge. It, 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 you know, it did so much for my brother and I, and I in building our prospects in the early days. Our first showbox event was 2002. And I think they started what what was the date? Two thousand and one. Yeah. So and, so from two thousand and one to August of two thousand and two when we finally got, got that date. I was begging Gordon. You know, that's what it came <laughs> out. And you knew you knew he had to put a good show on for him, you know. Really, really what, what I love about Showtime now that you know, like you said, that 30 years has evolved and everything is the passion that the executive producer Gordon Hall has you know, for the show itself. And, and he's a tremendous matchmaker. He really is, you know, and, and, and he's matching rising stars, which is not easy. It's one thing to make a 50, 50 fight, but he's got to deal with knuckleheads like us where we don't want to get someone bumped off. And I'm going to always be pushing for a 70, 30 fight. And he's Mm -hmm. trying to reel me back down to 55, 45 or 50, 50. And he gets his way all the time. (laughs) That's why it's, that's why it's lasted so long. Right. Right. And what
1: about, you know, from your perspective, uh, you know, what's the value for you going in? Like I'm sure there are platforms where you could get your 15 or no guy and get him a guy who's going to fall over after a couple of punches, but this yeah, is, you're, you're, you're really matching your guys tough, very early in their careers. What's the value for you in that as well?
0: The, the thing is the value was you, you see that Showbox has built so many world champions and, and as a promoter, it, it helps that your fighters, had been matched tough early. you know I mean, it, it gives us something to gauge them on. You, you know, you, you can't take anything for granted. Yeah. Um, and, and so on, on
2: that subject of of matching these guys tough, I'm curious it, how, whether you've had times and you don't have to name any names, of course, but were there instances over the years of of fighters or their managers? who turned down showbox dates because they were looking for softer fights and, and either you or Gordon hall wanted them in a little too tough for, for their liking at that point in their careers.
0: Well, it wouldn't have been me. I mean, I, you know, I would always try to edge cause we've got the investment in the kid or, or mm. you know, if they're a bonus fighter or something, I'm, I'm pushing Gordon, like I said, for that 70, 30 and, Inching down if I can, so yeah, you know. And then that sometimes these fighters have a managed management team that just flat out said no. You know, they'd rather rather go fight on a club show or an undercard of a big event off TV and still let the kid develop. But right, I always yeah. like I always like the idea of them. Look, it you have to take a little bit of risk if you want that exposure, and that's where Showbox, the new generation, is the place for those type of fighters.
2: Right. And and I guess you learned a little something about the fighter. Uh, just from them saying no sometimes to that, to that sort of opportunity that it tells you, okay, this guy is not quite ready for this step step up if he doesn't believe he's ready for this step
0: yeah, up. Exactly. You know what you're dealing with down the road now. You know, right. I mean, you know, look, at we uh, we had, we, like I said, Andre Ward, Paul Williams, Robert Guerrero, Rico Ramos, we're all guys who are on tough fights always on, on Showbox. And as a matter of fact, Robert Guerrero, lost his first professional fight on showbox we brought him back shortly after that on showbox again uh with the same opponent he beat him he avenged that loss and that was all prior to him going on and winning a world title and i guarantee you that helped him stamp that world title
1: yeah you've talked about this a couple of times i'm very curious what the process is with Gordon, we all know Gordon. Gordon's one of the nicest guys in boxing, but there's steel there. He's gonna he's gonna fight for what he wants, and and I am curious what that process is like. To sort of sitting down and working it back and forth with him,
0: he'll grind it down. And Gordon, like I said, he's a tremendous matchmaker. And it's not he's grinding down people like us, where we're fighting right back, you know. So you know, and he he's he comes up with a list of names uh, for opponents that he feels would he'd be comfortable with. And usually they're all too damn tough, you know? <laughs> and somehow he sinks one of them in on you. So, you know, he's, he's good. Look at what, what he wants. What he wants is he wants you to fight something different in your career, you know, test yourself against something you haven't seen. And then he'll, he'll tell you a thousand times he always wants that fight on showbox to be that kid's toughest opponent to date. And that's what you're dealing with. And it's worked mm. for 20 plus years. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it, and it shows you, like I said, the passion this man has to continue to do this and and give these young fighters that opportunity. It's just, I mean, it's a tremendous platform.
2: So, uh, you know, you're not just a matchmaker and promoter. You are also, I would assume, a, a fight fan. Um, I'm curious if any particular Showbox memories over the years stand out. Great fights, great fighters, whether they were your cards or, or
0: not. Are there particular Showbox memories for you? You know, I'm going to have to go to one of my cards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, you know what it was? It was when uh, John Molina Jr. stormed back in the tenth round and knocked out Mickey Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's behind on all the cards and and uh, it, it was over in Las Vegas on a Mayweather card showbox card and and uh, that was a hell of a moment,
2: yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about that when we interviewed Steve Barry and Raul and and Steve pointed out that Barry had to miss that card for some reason. Uh, and so Morrow ended up uh, getting the call on that one and, that, and that, that it still irks Barry a little bit that he didn't get to call that phenomenal come-from-behind knockout. Great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking of, of Stephen, Barry, and Raul, as,
1: as Eric said, we had him on the podcast um, just recently. And one of the things that I said to them is, is I really like the feel of a Showbox broadcast. And a large part of that is because of the way they commentate about it. It feels more low key. It feels informed, but it feels more kind of low key. It seems appropriate for that kind, kind of card. And I wonder if you have feelings about that, like when you get back afterwards and you watch the broadcast, you know how those guys or Nick Charles uh, or the others who are involved in Showbox, how they go about presenting the show?
0: You know, it's, it's like you said, they, they, they're so good at what they do. It's like they come into your living room now, and uh, you know you you look forward to it. And yeah. you know, why go back with all of them so long? And as a matter of fact, Barry uh, Barry did our shows in the late 90s when we were at Dan and I were at America Presents. He was he was our guy, you know. So yeah, it's just it, it it's it's a great team. It's it, you know, I guess like they've always said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, <laughs> it's just tremendous. And I, the whole group, Showtime, everyone involved, they're just such tremendous people to work with it's uh, it it makes the tough infighting all worth it
2: all right so so last thing uh, about showbox a a question we've asked of a few people uh, already on these recent showbox podcasts we've done when showbox launched in 2001 would you have guessed this series would go on to last 20 years and and i don't want to cut it off at 20 it's 20 with probably many years still to come would you have guessed that when it was first getting started
0: hell no (laughs) you <laughs> you know You didn't see it something like that lasting mm-hmm. so i mean that's that's another pat on the back for the for gordon and his whole team and all of all of them i mean no way no way did anyone say yes uh, no no <laughs> no that's about right, about the closest expecting. we
2: got was an ambiguous uh we we didn't know what to expect from steve yeah. that was about yeah. the closest to a yes that we've heard
0: <laughs> remember a lot of the shows were over in europe in the beginning yeah. uh and then they'd come back and you know, and everyone's thinking, you know, you got these sometimes young fighters or fighters, they're undefeated, eight, nine, and all, but you don't know their names, you know? Mm. And, but but they make, he, he, that's where Gordon came in. He made such terrific fights. That's yeah. what it's all about. It's the product that airs. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. All right, let's pivot to a few non show box uh, topics, but staying on Showtime. Uh, you've got a card coming up on August 14th that's undergone quite a few changes on top of the bill. It was Rigondeau against Casemiro, then Donaire wanted in, so Rigondo moved to the undercard, then Donaire wanted out, so Rigondo's back in the main event. How stressful is all this when this kind of stuff happens, and how tough in general is it for a matchmaker or promoter to sort of deal with the swings of trying to keep a card together?
0: Well, I can tell you it's not fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's what we do. you know. And then I was just talking to someone yesterday about when we launched When did we announce the Showtime schedule uh, back in April for the first fight?
1: Something like that, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, and then look, we just had the one that everyone said they circled, and it was what we expected. And the one prior to that, when Tug stepped in, you know, I mean, so it's just been such a, since that launching of this announcement, and where are we now? We're like two-thirds in? Yeah. Going in this rigging down and we're back with the same fight we initially announced so listen I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight i think it's just another shootout. i love i love regal now where he is in his career i think it's kind of nice that it's, his legs have slowed him down a little bit and yeah. now we've seen that he has power you know and he can fight that inside game so yeah i'm looking for another uh, tremendous fight in this whole uh uh you know group, group of fights that we announced
1: yeah, credit. We were talking about this, Eric and I, a couple of weeks ago. A lot of credit, I, f- I figure, to Rigo for being willing to step onto the undercard and then willing to step back in again.
0: No, yeah, you, you have to give him that. But that's that's a good wily old veteran, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, he was, you know, he was just it, it was easy. It was, so when you talk about how difficult things are, in this case, he he made it very easy for all of us. Hmm. And here he is back again where yep. he, he originally was. So.
2: So on that undercard, uh, you have uh, Antonio Russell. Uh, he's in tough against Emmanuel Rodriguez. How is Antonio Russell similar and different in your view with the Russell brother, uh, Gary Russell Jr., that, that fans are most familiar with?
0: Well, you know, you, you see he's got he's got that, uh, the speed and, and the, uh, the boxing IQ that, you know, obviously his fathers uh, is instilled in some of them. And also you see you see how involved Gary is. You know, working at his brother's corner. Yeah. Really, he's the chief second. And the night of the fight, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm not in the gym with them, but yeah, you you see a lot of similarities. And then they're all they're both their own guy with with you know one guy's got a little more pop, but it's really that that speed and boxing IQ that I see in in, in all the Russell fighters.
2: Yeah, it almost seems like that with that interest that uh that his brother Gary Jr. has, and and coaching him up in the corner, it, you almost wonder if he's as as invested or more invested in his brother's careers than he is in, in his own at this point. We, we all have made our jokes about the Gary Russell Jr. fighting schedule, but I wonder if it, it, just having his brothers uh, for him to be all excited about is is a part of the reason that he isn't as focused on his own career at the moment.
0: You know, I, I can't tell you on that side, but, but I, I can sure tell you he is invested in his brother's career. And, you know, even when we first started moving the kid, I mean, God forbid we had – that type of fight that was off TV and we had it, maybe a half a pound on the scale. And it was like, come on, he's fighting this guy. I mean, no way, man. He wouldn't, he, he, he wouldn't budge on us. So, you know, yeah. And, and they are, they're professionals. He says, my brother trained for this weight, and he's either going to fight it this way. Or he's not going to fight. So no. he, he always has been that way and been involved and, and you know what you're dealing with with them.
1: Right. Uh, two weeks after that, you're co-promoting David Benavidez against Jose Escategui in, in Phoenix. How stiff a test do you expect the veteran Escartegui to be for Benavidez? and and if David wins, do you expect him then to be back in the title picture real soon?
0: Well, I, I kind of see it like like uh, Jamal's fight, you know, where everyone said those were the two does, and look at the fight we had there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it turned out to just be a tremendously entertaining fight, and I know I know Jose. I can't ever say his name, right. I always just say <laughs> Escartegui. But you know, we 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 had him uh, when he was world champion. We saw the fight with Plant, so. I think, I think from everything I'm hearing down in TJ, his training, you're going to get a motivated Jose Yuskategui, and, and Benavides is going to have to be on his A game. And, and it's always interesting when they're fighting in their backyard when they haven't been there in a long time. I mean, you, you, we saw that with Jared Hurd, you know, and I saw Hurd de- dealing with his ticket request and his friends and making sure his grandmother was picked up. You know, so it, it, it's hard when you go back to your hometown, especially when you've been away for, you know, yeah. quite a while. Benavidez can be dealing with all those ticket issues and and family and friends. And it, it's tough.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, uh, you'll be promoting Stephen Fulton versus Brandon Figueroa on September 11th. What an absolutely mouthwatering <laughs> matchup that is. Uh, can you give us any information yet about the venue? Uh, and... Um, for lack of a more well thought out question on this one, I just kind of want to ask how excited
0: are you for this fight? Um, Look at right after, right after the fight with, with Neary and Ben and, and uh, um, Brandon, I mean, it was, it was like, that's the first thing you're thinking about, you know, and when we had Fulton at the fight, you know, and so, it, that's that's the one that at the end of the schedule, like I was talking about when we first announced it and, you know, and then we'll roll out some more. But, yeah, I'm so excited for that fight. The 22 pound division has been so exciting this past year. And, uh, you know, we're, we're so involved in it with Showtime. It's it's just uh, I can't wait for that fight.
2: Are, are you close to figuring out a location for that one yet? Uh, any, anything,
0: But I'm not going to tell you yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all right. I had to give it at least uh, at least a half ass effort to see if I could get it out of you.
0: <laughs> Poor Fulton, you know he was the one where he was our first show uh when we started under the covid protocols that august one, and you know we got that here we are our very first show into this the only he pops hot on on a tuesday on us so that was our welcome to doing pro- covid protocols right. Right. well, well I'll,
2: I'll just say as far as a venue for that i'll just note that kieran and i are both on the east coast and we would very much like to attend that fight so if, if that factors into your <laughs> thinking at all i'm just putting it out there there you go I
0: hope you
2: got some miles. Very (laughs) well. Okay.
1: (laughs) Hey, Tom, this has been great to have you on. Thank you really uh, very much. It's been great to get your perspective. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll come back again and be back on the Showtime Boxing Podcast in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Tom. Really appreciate it.
0: All All right.
1: And that wraps up our week of podcasts and mini podcasts. Don't miss the live showbox broadcast this Friday at nine PM Eastern and Pacific with a battle of unbeatens in the main event. Isaiah Zewopstein versus Calvin Hot Sauce Henderson. Uh no money punch episode of the podcast this week, but the odds on the card just came out, and that one is nearly a pick'em with Henderson just a plus one twenty five underdog. Uh we will return on Monday with our post fight analysis and much more. Until then, thanks for listening. Be safe, be kind, and be well.